Hello and welcome to Hashtag Health. My name is Devin. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm sure you've heard about Canada's aging population. From straining social services to lengthy wait times for retirement homes, this phenomenon is placing a great deal of burden on the Canadian healthcare system. As a nation advances, so does its healthcare and technology, and as a result, life expectancy rises. A question arises from this fact, however. Are we just able to keep people alive longer? Or can we genuinely give older adults quality, healthy years to live out their lives in the best way possible? For many critics, the answer is the former. Much work, though, is being done to find new ways to preserve independence and support the aging process, both physically, mentally, and spiritually. As we learn more about aging, we're better able to characterize the types of expected challenges and solve them head-on. On today's episode, we invite on Dr. Kristen Barton, an orthopedic surgery resident in London, Ontario, to discuss her perspective on this issue. As an established researcher and orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Barton has seen firsthand the impact of the aging process and what is being done to support physical independence in the medical field. My name is Kristen Barton. Um, I'm a PGY4 orthopedic surgery resident at Western, and um, I did most of my training in Calgary, I guess, and I just came here for um, residency. So I've been here for the last uh, three years training um, for orthopedics. I did a, um, an undergraduate degree initially in kinesiology, and then I did a, um, a master's degree in uh, joint tribology and biomechanics. Mainly. So I focus on um, joint injury and how synovial fluid is altered um, in joint injury. And then I went uh, ahead and did a, it was a part of the leaders in medicine program, which is a combined MD PhD in Calgary. Um, so I did my PhD first. You can um, do it both um, either uh, med school first or um, grad school first, but I elected to do my PhD prior. Um, and I did a um, PhD in biomechanics focusing on um, osteoarthritis development. I played high-level soccer and university soccer. Then I played um, uh, in Aberdeen and Scotland for a little bit as well. So I, I feel like I had my fair share of unfortunate orthopedic injuries. Um, I've had um, a number of knee surgeries as well as an arm surgery. So I feel like I sort of fell into it, um, like pun intended. I had... Um, both of my ACL reconstructed and I feel like those type of surgeries and either, um, and even getting back from, uh, rehabilitation to the soccer pitch, um, it really, uh, really demonstrated and really sparked my interest for rehabilitation as well as, um, orthopedics. Um, so I was exposed like in my teens, I'd say to orthopedics, but it wasn't really until, um, my undergraduate degree, it was sort of solidified that I really like sports medicine, physiotherapy, rehab, um, and that sort of, I just, um, I was, uh, fortunate to to work with a mentor in um, undergraduate my undergraduate training that um, sort of led me to orthopedic surgery. One of the biggest things I I guess even when I was in Calgary I was part of the um, joint effort um, program as well as um, the now um, across Canada is called the GLAD program. So I saw a lot of patients um, come, um, to do physical exercise and exercise programming. And unfortunately the cost is a really big barrier as well as, um, barriers to, uh, to actually access the, um, facility, whether it was like the university center or community site. So I'd say, um, cost was a huge barrier in terms of exercise programming in the aging population, as well as just getting that um, that participant to, to access it, whether if they have ambulatory aids or um, just um, feasibility with busing systems or um, transportation. 
So I'd say those were the biggest um, areas I saw within the aging population for um, exercise programs uh, specifically. So I was just looking at um, a barriers to access as well as um, we were looking at improvements um, with the exercise programs for functional mobility, um, patient reported outcomes for things like um, pain and uh, just osteoarthritis symptoms, whether it's like stiffness. So we were meaning looking at those as well as we've looked at, and we actually haven't uh, finished a study, but, but we were looking at biomarkers and how your body actually adapts to uh, or changes as a result to exercise programming. A orthopedic surgeon that's trained, um, there's a number of uh, orthopedic surgeons in the community as well as an academic center that perform um, joint arthroplasty, so uh, mainly hip and knee arthroplasty. And there's also a number other, of other types. Um, I'm most interested in the lower extremity, but there's also um, like wrist arthroplasty, there's uh, shoulder arthroplasty, so there's upper extremity as well. Um, but any trained orthopedic surgeon, um, a lot of people do additional training, so a fellowship within um, like revision joint arthroplasty as well. So, um, more of the academic centers, most people have training as well in, um, joint arthroplasty specifically too. Unfortunately, osteoarthritis are like, it's essentially, um, the development of, um, degradation within, um, the, the, specific joint of their articular cartilage and essentially the disease process, um, it degrades so much that you're really having bone on bone contact. So there's a lot of pain, a lot of stiffness, and it's really, uh, it prompts the, the patient essentially pain is one of the most um, limiting factors as well as uh, decreased mobility. So those are so the pain and decrease mobility are really two big reasons for people why people have their joints replaced is they're not able to be as active or as mobile as they they once were and they want to um, restore that function. Obviously, it's very dependent on the, the joint for sure, um, but specifically to the hip, like hip and knee is most common. And um, so the long term outcome would be um, to restore function if, if they're um, with their mobility to be able to do their ind like independent and active daily activities, um, as well as um, really to decrease pain. And that's one of the biggest, um, the biggest things I hear from patients. And I, I find, which is honestly why I like arthroplasty so much is you get almost like immediate gratification of their pain is almost like gone or the majority of their pain is gone in comparison to what it was. So they're very happy with um, the procedure because they no longer have that pain with every step or every day. It's an adjunctive strategy. A lot of people have chronic pain from, for other reasons as well, but I think um, like a, an arthroplasty, if it's knee specific or hip specific, say, or shoulder specific or elbow, whatever it is, um, it really can restore, restore function and, and decrease a significant amount of pain and pain burden from, from that patient. So I'd say it works in definitely an adjunct, but it does decrease pain significantly because our patients are living longer for sure. So the aging population and just really with the baby boomer, boomer population that we, there's just been a huge influx of knee and hip arthroplasty as well as shoulder and elbow, um, but mainly hip and knee are the, the two biggest. And secondly, a lot of, um, individuals are getting joint replacements earlier in age. So usually or like uh, maybe 15, 20, 30 years ago, people would delay re joint replacement as long as they could because the, um, the implants that we're putting in don't, didn't essentially for better, lack of a better word, like last as long. But now we have excellent data showing that, that they can last a lifetime and you wouldn't have to get as many revisions. So I'd say basically a lot of, a lot of young, healthy, active people that have knee arthritis or hip arthritis are getting them much earlier on. 
Yeah, so we're seeing younger, I guess, younger individuals get um, joint, repl joint uh, replacement sooner because um, one of the leading causes of our osteoarthritis development in the joint is actually joint injury. So a number of individuals have, say, um, had a joint injury in their teens or their 20s, and within seven to 10 years, even 15 years, they've developed, unfortunately, osteoarthritis in their joint. I think people with previous joint injuries, you can get what we call idiopathic osteoarthritis as well too, but I'd say the, the most common would be post, what we call post-traumatic or post-injury. Unfortunately, obviously it wasn't an emergent surgery during, um, during COVID, which is totally fair. Obviously they, they only had to pursue um, urgent and um, uh, emergent cases, I guess. So joint replacement is considered an elective procedure. So yeah, like I would say, um, as a resident, I particularly wasn't on an arthroplasty rotation at that time. So it didn't affect my training, but in terms of my colleagues, um, unfortunately, a number of months at a time, um, the elective cases were on hold. So um, if you're on the rotation at that at that time, when most of our rotations are between two to four months, depending on what year you're in, um, you wouldn't unfortunately be doing any any of the arthroplasty cases. So I'd say it would significantly impact those those um, those residents for sure, um, because at that time we're only doing like the trauma emerging cases. Unfortunately, our the wait lists and the wait times are just backlogged. Uh, I don't know how else to say it, but so I'd say pre-pandemic, we were quoting at um, at London or at our site in particular, and there's a number of sites throughout Ontario, but we we're um, stating about like one like one year to a year and a half in terms of wait lists. And now the majority of the surgeons are over two years, unfortunately. So uh, people are waiting, are going to be waiting longer for a joint replacement. And that's not just our site. It's obviously everywhere in Ontario and Canada. In terms of lack of mobility, there's um, going to be other implications in terms of your cardiovascular health, um, obesity, things like that. So I'd say definitely like with people being less mobile and less able because of the pain, um, it's, it's definitely going to have other long, longer term systematic effects for sure. Um, because if we can't get someone in within a year, a year and a half for a joint replacement, it's just going to be another year for them living with pain and uh, decreased function for sure, as well as the other potential comorbidities that they may have. One of the most um, like exciting advancements for arthroplasty in particular is the use of uh, robotic aid. So um, in the States right now, they are commonly being used and really within Canada in the last like six months, we've, we're just starting to use them. So I'd say that's a pretty cool application for um, arthroplasty surgeons. And um, we're just um, the a number of the surgeons here in London are just starting to get familiar with them and uh, train with them and use them in a clinical settings. So um, I'd say that's probably one of the coolest um, advancements for sure. After the learning curve, it'd be um, precision for um, a particular individual in terms of their alignment. So that's the goal for to, to have um, a well-balanced uh, knee, um, if it's a knee replacement, and to have an a, a restore essentially their appropriate alignment or um, um, whether it's like the hip or the knee, but like knee more specifically. My best piece of advice is like through your um, pre-clerkship years, as well as your clerkship. If you are interested in orthopedics, definitely don't hesitate to connect with an orthopedic surgeon in, uh, in London. We'd be happy um, to have you exposed within the OR. And I think especially, I guess maybe it's not 
um, relative, I guess, more relevant for geriatrics or medicine. But if you're interested in orthopedics, like the best thing is to just have you exposed, whether it's consultations or having you in the OR to come shadow. Um, so I guess that's the best piece of advice is because you really need to delineate if you are interested in surgery versus medicine. Um, but in terms of a medical student that may be interested in geriatrics or uh, just uh, general aging population is just have as much exposure as you can in terms of extracurriculars. I was fortunate to um, sort of stumble upon a, a mentor and he really took me under his wing in terms of um, showing me orthopedics in general, but rehab and sports medicine and, and sort of, I mean, it was from a research lens for sure. Um, but he really exposed me to the field of orthopedics. So, I, I mean, I, I, I like looking back at now I can't think of enough, obviously. Um, but yeah, like I, I'd say, it's just it's so crucial or so vital, whether it's um, a resident above you or a fellow or even a, a staff member, like um, you can have mentors at all different stages that can help like guide your career trajectory for sure. And that brings this episode to a close. My name is Devin and thank you so much for listening to Hashtag Health. If you like this episode, please feel free to subscribe to our show and follow us on social media. We'll see you next time.